I'm sorry, it's here. It's here, it's here, it's here. Are you here? Okay, and revival lives through you. Hallelujah. So, yes, we are ushering in the last great harvest of souls. We are doing that. We have to be the revival of the Lord in order to do that. We hold back the darkness, the church, the believers, those in Christ, hold back the darkness so that the harvest can come in. Billions, we're talking billions of souls coming to know Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, lover of our souls, the great and mighty King, and his fire resides in you. His fresh waters reside in you to flow forth, to flow forth. So true revival, and this is the key, beloved. This is what the, the Lord's been speaking to my heart, is that true revival must begin with the humbling, humbling, humbling of every individual heart to the purpose and the calling, the pleasing of God, and the giving to him all the glory. That's where revival starts. True revival comes through the humbled heart. It comes through the sacrificed life. It comes through the yielded vessel. It comes through the submitted servant. And when that occurs, all the power and fire of God is released in rivers of living water. That's who you are. Rivers of living water water. We as believers must pave the way. We must humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble. Say, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. So I want to go back in time. I want to go back in history for just a few moments. And we're going to talk about the first great revival. And the Lord specifically told me to put it that way. The first great revival in all of history. There was this man. There was this man. And he was born into very meager surroundings in a cave. In a cave. He walked the earth, and he had nowhere to lay his head. He was misunderstood. He was mistreated. And he, yet, he made it his sole mission to please his Father in heaven. His sole mission, the cry of his heart, his all in all, to please his father. And as a result of that, he chose, he chose, like we have to choose, he chose a life of self-sacrifice 
of submission, of yieldedness to the will of another, the Almighty God, the Almighty God, the one true Lord of all. He was compelled only by his love for the Father. And it is only by his love for the Father that he could love you and that he could do what he had to do on your behalf. He was compelled. He was able, because of his love for the Father, he was able to endure shame and humiliation of the cross. He was able to endure mocking. He was able to endure injustice. You know, we, we get so bent out of shape when a, when a slight injustice has been done. And we need to think about the injustice that was done to our Christ. He didn't even flinch at what he had to endure. The pain of the whip on his back, the thorn of crowns on his head, the lashing, the scourging, and as he, he was spat upon. And as a result of his submission, his sacrifice, his suffering, suffering, his suffering, Christ still made, he made that solitary walk to the cross for you for me. That solitary walk, he was crucified, he descended into hell, and he overtook every demonic force that ever existed. Hallelujah. Every darkness that tried to overcome God's glory and bring harm to the human race. He overcame it on your behalf because he loved you so much, because he loved the Father. He took the keys of hell. He took the keys of the grave from the imposter, from the deceiver, from the ruler of darkness. He took the keys. And beloved, he's given them to you. And the key to you using them is to humble your hearts. That will unlock every door of the kingdom. You humble, we humble, I humble my heart to the will of the Father. And when that happened, after he had gone to hell, the world saw the greatest revival there ever was. The one true revival, the first and greatest revival of all. Total defeat of evil 
by the everlasting light of Christ. We are talking resurrection life. Resurrection life. And now it resides in you. And frankly, we all need to quit being wimps about it and insecure about it and doubting about it because you have the spirit of life of Christ Jesus in you. And when you humble your heart, you are the living revival, the living resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in this earth. And no darkness can overcome that. But you must walk knowing that this has been given to you. Sorry, I better not start pounding already. (laughs) Christ's resurrection (coughs) was the greatest revival that ever occurred. As a result of his submission, as a result of his sacrifice, as a result of his suffering, as a result of his forgiveness. 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 As a result of his forgiveness of all his persecutors. Of all his persecutors. The worst of the worst. All of them. His forgiveness of his persecutors. We are witnesses of the first and greatest revival. And we get to walk in the same if we choose to live like he lived. Hallelujah. He secured by what he did he secured his reunification in glory with God. He secured that, and he secured it for you. If you choose to be a believer in Christ, he secured reunification into the glory of God for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are called to make the same sacrifice that Christ made. We are called to make the same sacrifice that Christ made. We are called to walk in the same submission. We are called to forgive in the same manner as our risen Lord. 1 Peter 4.13. But rejoice. I'm reading from the Aramaic, so if any of you have your Aramaic Bible, you can follow there. The NIV is the closest to the Aramaic. 1 Peter 4.13. But rejoice that you share in the sufferings of the Messiah. Rejoice that you share in the sufferings of the Messiah. For in this way, in this way, listen to the next word, also, also, you shall rejoice and be jubilant in the revelation of his glory. 
by sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You also, in other words, as a result, you also get to share and rejoice and be jubilant in the revelation of his glory. How many of you want the full glory of God to be revealed in your life? Okay, well, that's the key. Share in the suffering. Share in the suffering. Share in the suffering. As we bow before God, we will stand before men as his portals of the glory, as his outflow of the rivers of life, as we bow before God. We stand as his portal. You stand, I stand, as his open door to the glory for those yet to be saved and those needing to be discipled. And this life of sacrifice, this life of submission, this life of humility, this life of Forgiveness, forgiveness is truly the only path, the only path by which we receive true revelation of his glory. Revelation of his glory. Did I say revelation? Revelation. Because you were unified with Christ in the glory when you were born again, right? I'm not going to go back over the months of teaching we've done on this. Unification, unity with the Father is the glory. But we have to walk it out. We have to walk it out. We have to walk, listen to this, in the same mind as Christ. We have to walk in the same mind as Christ. He makes it really, really easy through the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 now listen, I'm reading out of the Aramaic, okay? So it, it may be better for you just to listen rather than to follow, but anyway. And reason in your souls, this. Reason in your souls. What are, what are your souls? Your mind, will, and emotion. Thank you, yes. So we reason in our souls this, that also... Yeshua the Messiah did. So we're going to reason the same way that he did. He who, while he was in the form of God, with God, right? In the form of God, did not esteem this as a prize. He didn't esteem it as a prize that he was equal to God. But he stripped himself. 
Can you imagine tearing yourself away from that glory? Seriously, think about it. Complete unification with Father. Can you imagine stripping yourself from that position to come to earth? To be a man with human emotions, human will, human mind. You you see what I'm saying? To come and be a man on earth. Right there was an amazing sacrifice. He did not esteem this as a prize that he was equal to God, but he stripped himself and took the form of a servant. The form of a servant. And was in the form of the children of men. That's like you and I. And he humbled himself and was obedient unto death. So he was in the form of a man with the same feelings, same emotions, same physical needs. Okay? He humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of being crucified, Because of this. Because of what? Because of what? The humbling, right? Because of the humbling. God has also greatly exalted him and has given him the name which is greater than all names. Because of the humbling, he received the name above every other name. I will exalt the one. I will exalt the one. (coughs) The one true God. That in the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow. Every knee, nothing left out. Every knee shall bow, which is in heaven and in the earth and which is under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Yeshua, the Messiah, is the Lord Jehovah to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says, you must have the same attitude. Remember before we had the word mind? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So when we say, you know how we say we have the mind of Christ? Because Scripture tells us as born-again believers, we have the mind of Christ, correct? Correct? Okay. So when we say we have the mind of Christ, it not only means full mental capacity, it means that, yes? Yes? Full, it means full revelation and ability to understand. It means we have the ability to understand and we receive full revelation, right? Okay, but it also means that we have the same attitude 
the same approach, the same attitude toward life and toward others. Toward life and toward others that Christ had. Hallelujah. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. This is Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. Christ suffered and forgave. He suffered and forgave. He completely submitted to the will of the Father. He completely surrendered. He completely yielded. He completely forgave. Hallelujah. No matter what it required of him, emotionally, mentally, physically, he was willing to be yielded to the heart of the Father. And we are required to do the same. There was never an offense found in Jesus. Right? Do you have the right to hold offense? And honestly, letting go of offense is your freedom. It is freedom to you. It is revelation of glory in your life when you forgive an offense. We must walk the same in order to walk in revival. We must walk the same to walk in revival, to walk in, in awakening, to walk in strength. This allows us to walk in the true power of God. We must walk the same in our own lives in order to usher that revival into our own lives and to be the catalyst to usher it into the lives of others. You all want to be catalysts, don't you? Yes. We want to be catalysts for the love and mercy of God, for his awakening, walking in the same sacrifice, the same suffering, the same forgiveness, unites us, listen to this, walking in the same, unites us with the glory it unites us in the glory of God. The glory is unity with the Father. We all know that. In every manner and every degree. Every manner and every degree. Fullness. Fullness. Fullness of God. In us. Did I say fullness? <laughs> The only way for us truly to experience revival and the glory of Jesus is to walk in the same self-sacrificing submission to the will and the heart of the Father. Now this does not mean that you acquiesce to Satan's attacks. Did Jesus Christ ever acquiesce to Satan? No, he did not acquiesce to demonic attacks. 
So this does not mean that you are a doormat. That's not what it means. It, it does mean that you submit to the Father's will, and he will show you how to walk in truth in love. He will show you how to do that. Our hearts are your kingdom come, your will be done. Period. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. In my personal heart, in my personal heart, in my personal life, in my daily walk, in this world. And that must be the cry of our hearts. Not my will, but your will. Think, think of Jesus. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just think of that, knowing what was going to happen. And yet being able to say, okay, Father, take this away from me if you can, if you will. Knowing what was ahead, take this away if you will, yet not my will but yours. No matter what, not my will but yours. Imagine that. Imagine sitting there alone. You're asking people to pray and they're falling asleep. You are totally alone. You are totally alone. I mean, you have the Father. But you have no earthly assistance. God exalts the humble of heart. You can look that up. He makes the, the last first. You can look that up in, in Matthew 19. The scripture tells us that he who loses his life will gain it. Right? In the Aramaic, it says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So when we submit our souls, what's your soul? Mind, will, and emotion. Soul revival. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, because the Lord spoke it to me. Soul revival is birthed in soul submission. That's what he said to me when I was talking to him about this sermon. Soul revival is birthed in soul submission to the one and only living God. So we, when we submit our souls, our mind, our wills, and our emotion to Christ, we will experience the life of God, resurrection life, revival in us to touch his world. Whatever, so whatever the transgression Whatever the pain, whatever the insult, whatever the injury, whatever the harm, whatever the attack. And believe me, the devil loves to attack. Whatever, take it to the cross. Take it to the cross. Take it to the cross. Allow Christ's love, allow his love to crucify it from your soul. And I, and I mean that. Allow his love to crucify it from your soul. Eradicate it. What does it say that the word of God is? It says it's a two-edged sword. 
It will divide out the soulish and leave you with the heart of God. You understand that? It divides away the soulish and leaves you with the heart of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of life of Christ Jesus dwelling in you. That soul chopped out by the word of God. A sharp and alive sword. So when we submit our souls, we experience his resurrection life. We take it to the cross. We leave it there. We let it die. We let it die, and we watch resurrection. We watch revival come. That's how we do it. Are you loving this? (laughs) Are you loving knowing you got to share in Christ's sufferings? Yeah, because (laughs) you get his glory through you. So just watch the awakening occur. Just just watch it happen. Place yourself fully in the hands of God. Don't reserve anything. You know, people walk around in these like clammed up shells because they're reserving something in their life from the Lord. There's something because that's not how God intends us to relate to one another. All these hidden things, these little secrets, this too painful to release, this too painful to let anyone know about. It'll bring too much shame. It'll do this. Oh, my past. Oh, my this. Oh, my that. Just say, oh, my God. Just say that. Say, oh, my God. Come in. Yeah. Get rid of the pride that is keeping you from revealing the shame that you feel because God does not see you shamed. And it's only pride that keeps you there. It is only self-righteousness that keeps you there. So put yourself fully in the hands of Jesus. We all need to put ourselves fully in the hand of Jesus. You will receive only healing, only safety, only protection there, only love there. And you will walk in revival when you do that. He knows how to take care of you. And your submission to him will open up the heavens in your life and make you a portal to others. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. If you forgive men, if you forgive anyone, excuse me, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive... I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Listen to this part. Listen. In order that Satan might not outwit us. 
Forgiveness disallows Satan from outwitting you. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Forgiveness will disallow Satan from outwitting you. You as believers have been called as Christ's partners. Say, I am a partner of Christ. Because that's who you are. You are Christ's partners. Partners in him. Partners in his mindset. Right? Partners in his way of life how he chose to live. You're partners with him. You are also partners in his sufferings. Shout hallelujah is right. Hallelujah. 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 I get to share and be partners in Christ's sufferings, and I get to share and be partners in his glory. (laughs) So, as we believers (laughs) truly partake in that ministry of reconciliation, when we reconcile our hearts to his heart, we truly partake, we embrace that ministry of reconciliation that God has given us, we will see mass revival. Because you will be the revival. And millions and billions of souls in this end times, you will truly be the ones pushing back the darkness. Hallelujah. So let's look at that. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. Put him first, exalt him above all other things. We try to persuade men You will only be able, I will only be able to persuade men to the extent that you and I look like Christ. And no one who truly sees Christ in you cannot be persuaded. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity. We all have this beautiful opportunity. You have a beautiful opportunity. I have a beautiful opportunity. 
to take pride in us so that, so that, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. That's your mission right there. You need a mission statement? Use the one from a couple weeks ago or use this one. They're saying the same thing. Who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. Hallelujah. Because we have the mind of Christ. Right? Not of the world. If we are in our right mind, which is the mind of Christ, it is for you. For Christ's love. Christ's love. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. When we are convinced that one died for all, we're going to act a different way. Right? That one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that, in other words, so that, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we take the death of Christ into our lives, we will see resurrection, revival, life in our world, in, uh, in humanity. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Don't look at someone who's in sin and say, oh, you sinner, you wretched being. How far from God you are. No, 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 no. No. That's not how we see people. We see someone who the Lord loves. He loves all he created. We see someone who the Lord loves and who is being torn tormented by evil spirits that bring pain and harm and destruction and wrong decisions. And we love that person. No matter how many times you got to do it, I don't care how many times you have tried and you say it's not doing any good well, then you don't have the mind of Christ. If you, if you let those words come out of your mouth, you do not have the mind of Christ. No word ever planted does no good. No hand reached out in reconciliation does no good. You may not see it yet, but it has not failed. And it doesn't give you an excuse to quit. We don't have an excuse to quit. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once recognized Christ in this way. See that? See that? That's how they thought about Christ. So we don't want to think about people because look what Christ turned out to be. 
And what can that person that you think is in sin, what can that person turn out to be? If you continue, if I continue in the love of God toward that person, what can that person turn out to be? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. See there? We can be wrong, can't we? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation called to walk in the ministry of reconciliation, I might add. He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God. It's all from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have the ministry of reconciliation. You are the revival to someone. You are recompense to someone. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's why we must be like Christ. That's why we must have the mind of Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. See that? Do you recognize the sin? Yes. Do you recognize the demonic force behind the sin? Yes. Do you deal with that? Yes. Do you take it to prayer? Yes. Do you believe the overcoming power of the Lord Jesus Christ in that situation, no matter what it looks like? Yes. Because Christ never gives up on you. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, because he is. He is. He is making his appeal through you and I, through you and me. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, and that means in every manner, in every degree. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You become the righteousness of God by humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, by taking on the heart of submission, the heart of a servant, yielded to his will. It is perfect for you. His will is perfect for you. Sometimes you don't get what you want, and thank the good Lord above that we don't because he had something better. God has committed to us his precious ministry. The reconciliation of the world into his love, into his forgiveness, and we must 
first, first, first reconcile our hearts to his heart. We must reconcile our hearts to his heart. in every manner, in every degree. And we must see others not from a worldly point of view, but through the Spirit. We must not count their sins against them. He doesn't count your sins against you. And we need to recognize that. We all need to, that's why some people don't get, you know, healed, because they're still walking around thinking that they're unworthy or that they're, they're not good enough. You don't earn any of it. We don't earn any of it. So we must first reconcile our hearts to the heart of the Father and not counting their sins, but committing, committing, committing to share his message of the gospel of love and mercy with others. You need to share it with yourself, too. You need to believe it yourself. You know, and when you humble your heart before the Father, his love pours so, he pours out so much love upon you because it gets rid of the pain that's keeping you from receiving that love. You understand that? Hallelujah. And we need to let him do the correcting, let him do the, the convicting. Because when people, when we humble our hearts before the Lord, not only does it open the floodgates of heaven for us, the glory of, of revelation of the glory in our lives, but it opens up their opportunity to see the light. You see that? God is making his appeal through us. He is appealing to you. He is appealing to you right now at this very moment, today, to recognize how much he loves you. He is, he is appealing to you to lay it all down. Don't allow the, the, the pride or the pain to keep you from laying it at the foot of the cross. Whenever I, used, whenever I was younger and I used to have a problem and I used to you know, think about things that I did wrong or something like that, literally what I would do is I would, I would get, see this box Okay, this is in, in a vision. Okay, like I would, I would see myself getting this box and I would open the lid of the box and I would take that thing out of my heart and I would put it into that box and I would close the lid of the box and I would tie it up in this beautiful bow and I would walk to the foot of the cross and I would lay it down. That's what I did in my, in my brain and in my heart and in my mind. And I was giving those things that were hurting my soul and keeping me in bondage. And I would walk and I would put it at the cross and he would receive it. And he would remove it. And I didn't see it again. And he would just take it away. And then he would just shower me with his love and his joy and his peace. I have you, daughter. All is well, daughter. I don't even remember that anymore, daughter. You see that? But we're so arrogant sometimes, and we're so full of pride. 
or, or you know, thinking that we can handle it on our own and, and not wanting to let others in even to help us. He didn't make us islands, beloved. He made us to live with him. If he wanted us to be islands, he wouldn't have come here to earth to show us that we needed a savior, that we needed someone to help us through. Right? So I would just lay it there, and he would just take it away. And he'd say, don't ever think about that again. And that got me through so many, so many, so many difficult, traumatic times in my, in my young childhood, even though nobody really taught me about Jesus. You know? Anyway, so we have to allow him. We have to humble our hearts before him. He will take all that and turn it into gladness and joy and peace. He is making his appeal through us. And when we get rid of all that, we can only shine in his glory. We can only shine in his glory when we humble our hearts to the heart of the Father. We only get the shining glory when we do that. 2 Corinthians 2.15 For we are to God the aroma of Christ. Do you see how he sees you? Do you see how he sees you? So when we humble ourselves, we, we get to understand this. That you, 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 all of you, me, we are Christ's aroma to the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful thought? For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To all. So we are to demonstrate Jesus in fullness. But to do that, we must humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, we become this beautiful fragrance, humbled to the heart of God. That can only be the most pleasant aroma in all the universe. Your life, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, your life becomes the Garden of Eden. We were once expelled, right? Adam was expelled, right? And we get to live again in the Garden when we humble our hearts. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord wanted me to share with y'all today. And we're going to do several things. We're going to have, um, where did my only senior?